Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is looking. Hey everyone, my name is Mahara. Welcome back to the Art of Badassery for another enlightening episode of my podcast. Today, I'm so pleased to introduce you to this beautiful guest whose journey is a testament to the power of transformation, passion, and purpose. Join me in welcoming Elizabeth Kipp to the show. Hailing from the vibrant city of Wilmington, Delaware, Elizabeth's journey beautifully marries her academic pursuits with her heartfelt mission. Armed with a BS in plant science from the prestigious University of Delaware, Elizabeth's dreams initially set sail in environmental policy. With a vision of becoming a policymaker, she aspired to be a driving force behind positive change for our beautiful planet. But as life often does, it took Elizabeth on a unique path, leading her to the charming city of Lawrence, Kansas, which she now calls home. A modern Renaissance soul, Elizabeth has beautifully woven her passions and expertise into a tapestry of healing and holistic well-being. In her current role as a stress management and historical trauma specialist and an ancestral clearing practitioner, she reaches across the globe to touch lives and instigate profound change. Now, beyond her professional endeavors, Elizabeth's heart dances to the rhythms of yoga, resonates with the soothing melodies of nature, finds solace in the melodies of music, and is deeply enriched by connecting with people from all walks of life. Her diverse interests and empathetic nature have carved her a space where she guides individuals towards a healthier, more harmonious existence. Today, we are in for such a treat as we delve into her journey from the beautiful landscapes of her academic dreams to the global expanse of her healing practice. We will talk about how her background in plant science has seamlessly interwoven with her current holistic pursuits and how her dedication to wellness has blossomed into a beacon of hope for those in need. So, you know the drill, get your favorite drink, get your headphones on and prepare to really sink into this beautiful story. It is one of a living testament to the power of embracing change, channeling passion, and becoming a force for good in the world. Elizabeth, I'm so excited to chat with you today. Welcome, welcome. Uh, thank you so much, Mahar, for that beautiful introduction, and I couldn't be happier to be here. Oh, we're going to have fun. So, so many, so many interesting things in your bio, but can you explain the jump from the academic world into the holistic world because i you know as i mentioned in the in the bio that's that's an interesting weave shall we say how did that transpire well that was that really happened as a big push from the universe <laughs> okay tell me i love it when the universe pushes us into something that's i was um i was uh actually in a master's program in environmental studies here at the university of kansas after i got my bachelor's at university of delaware I was six credits short of a master's degree, and my uh, an old um, injury in my back became 
uh, so unstable, I had to have surgery. And that was the end of that. <laughs> that was the end of my master's degree. Um, I, I had um, followed by four surgeries to, to uh, try and stabilize that, that um, it was a, it was a break and a slip in, in my fifth lumbar in the spine. Uh, the, the, my fifth lumbar broke. It's the one right about the sacrum and it, it broke in two front to back and it slipped forward 80% into my pelvis and pulled the leg nerves with it. And they were, doctors were worried I wouldn't be able to walk and it was causing a lot of pain. And, and so, um, it took a few surgeries to, um, stabilize. I got hardware and I'm kind of the bionic woman. I've got hardware in there holding me together. And, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of astonishing that I can walk again. And, um, I, I had a lot of pain uh, afterwards. The doctors weren't able to figure out how to fix the pain. They just said, well, you have chronic pain and you're going to be that way for the rest of your life, which I was like, yeah, really? I don't think so. Anyway, anyway it, took me, um, it took me 31 years to find a doctor who really understood the nature of chronic pain to heal it. And I had, I, so I had a total of 40 years before that surgery started, 40 years altogether from the beginning of the pain to the end where I suffered from chronic pain. And I finally found a doctor who understood the nature of chronic pain and uh, guided me to heal. So I, I teach those methods. So I kind of, the universe was like, no, you're not going into this. You need to be going over here. <laughs> So, but the thing that was interesting was I had this deep um, uh, grounding in science and I had to study um, neurophysiology before I even got into plant science. I took a deep dive into neurophysiology at that time, which is much more known now, but at the time. And so I understood, kind of understood basic human physiology um, so I was kind of able to talk to the doctors, you know, and, and I also had a, a re, um, grounding in, in how to do research in science. So I knew how to ask questions and kind of formulate, you know, hypotheses and things like that. And I also had, because of the plant science work, I had a, I had a, um, a deep understanding of ecosystems and why is that important? Because it was systems analysis. And we all live in this, you know, from a holistic point of view, you know, you can't separate mind, body from spirit. We're all in one thing. We're all connected. And understanding how systems work and how they can easily be perturbed from one little change in the system that the whole system can get changed. I learned that. I studied that in ecology. And then I got into, you know, this part of the world and I was like, you know, started studying um, spooky action and and I, not that I'm all that good at physics, but I, I understood enough about physics to be able to kind of fit all of this into, oh, this is why he, holistic healing works the way it does. And this is why Western medicine has a kind of a limited perspective and they're kind of missing a few pieces. And that's why it took so long for me to find a doctor who understood chronic pain because he had a holistic model. He wasn't just looking at my back. 
Wow. So what I'm hearing is that to your point, the universe started directing you long ago, even before the back pain, because it prepared you, you were prepared for what you had to go through with the understanding and the teaching and the learnings that you had to start with. Absolutely. I, I mean, it really started um, when I was a, a child. I had a um, I had a mother who was bipolar and alcoholic, and so she was very, and she was kind of rageaholic, and so very, um, I never knew when she was going to be how, um, and it was hard for my brother and I because we were constantly um, on, the, on the lookout for when are we going to get in trouble kind of thing. That's a setup for chronic pain right there, and chronic pain just for everyone is not just physical, it's any pain that's felt physical mental, emotional, spiritual, financial for three months or more, uh, 15 days out of 30 for three months or more is chronic. The brain can't tell the difference between a broken bone and a broken heart. It's all the same uh, signal. It hurts. And so when you're in this, I don't know if I'm safe kind of space, that's a chronic pain. Uh, that's a setup for chronic pain when it's the stress response is on all the time. It doesn't have a chance to rest. So that was really, um, I didn't really understand how much pressure I was under when I was a child. I knew I was under pressure. I just didn't realize, I mean, it kind of got normalized in my brain because that's the way my life was. I didn't understand how profoundly it affected me on all levels until I really, until I was much, much older. Yeah. I think that's a really, it's a, it's an interesting point that you bring up and it is, it's just, it's so important that we understand that there's always so much more to know. And to your point, as children, we do the, well, we all do the best we can with what we have, but let's be open to asking the question. Yes. But what if, what if this, what if this isn't normal that I feel this way? What if it's not, what if, what if chronic pain can be healed, for example? You know, what if this isn't the end? What if I do walk? What if I don't, you know, succumb to what doctors are saying? So I love that you've obviously had this questioning attitude um, all of your life and that you found this doctor. And I'm curious, how long did it take you to find the doctor that actually helped you? You said 30 years? It took me 31 years to find him. <laughs> now, I have a question for you, though, Elizabeth. I'm curious. Now that you found him, can you look back on your life and go, you know what? There were signs along the way. I could have maybe found something earlier or was it really, it took 30 years, 31 years. No, it's the journey. I, I, that is the journey that, that, because this is amazing. When I met this guy's name's Dr. Peter Prescott, he passed away a few years ago, but um, he was my same, exactly the same age as me. He grew up in the same town that my grandparents uh, that lived and I used to visit in the summer. So, and 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 he went to the, he, he played a, a football at the University of Delaware while I was there. And we were tracking each other in time geographically until we finally met in California <laughs> in his pain management program. It was like, what? <laughs> you know? I love stories like that. So can you talk to us a little bit about what that what that um, pain management program was all about and why it was so different from what doctors had thrown at you or perhaps shared with you in the years prior? Well, yes, I can. Uh, uh, so 
the doctors, all the doctors before that were looking at my back and saying, you know, they were looking at my x-rays because I don't know what the pain was. And so here's the thing, uh, in, in chronic, and they didn't understand the nature of chronic pain, Peter did. Um, you can you can have a look at a th three different people with the same x-ray look just like mine you can look three different people and they'll have three different outcomes one there'll be one of them will be in chronic pain all the time or one of them will be in chronic pain only when they're stressed or one of them won't have any pain at all how do you explain that just looking at the x-ray you can't so when you look at the situation from a reductionist point of view, meaning just that one thing, you're missing. And the question would be, what am I missing? Right. And the question would be not, oh, Elizabeth. And the question would be not the conclusion to the conclusion of the doctor saying, oh, you know, you're not going to get better. You're going to be in level seven out of 10 pain for the rest of your life, 24 seven. You're going to be in a wheelchair when you're 40. They made that conclusion. They didn't leave any room for hope. And they assumed I wouldn't heal. They never asked the question, why isn't Elizabeth healing? Peter asked those questions, right? And he also didn't care about my records or my x-rays. He, he just blew me away. He said, I don't need to know any of that. I need to know who you are. And I was like, who the hell are you? And where have you been all my life? <laughs> you must have thought, okay, I've stepped into the twilight zone. How soon into it did you realize that this was magic? Magical. It's not magic. It's magical. Well, I actually thought I stepped into the twilight zone when the doctors told me I wasn't going to heal. Fair enough. That's when I was like, yeah, this doesn't even feel right. And and I had to, I had to, I'm so grateful for my science background because I could ask the question, what's wrong with this picture? And I had a gut feeling and I was like, wait a minute, they didn't, you know, they're pronouncing that I'm going to be this way. That's not even science. That's, that's, you know. That's that's not even science. Science is about probabilities. It's not about facts. And scientific paradigms change. So they should have said, we don't understand chronic pain right now, but we, we, we might later, you know, but they didn't say that, you see. So I knew right off the bat that there was there were quite a limitation. There were blinders on the on the on these on these doctors, and and they had something to bring to the table in terms of go for physical therapy and this and that, but they were missing the holistic piece, and they were missing the humility of remembering and realizing the the limitation of their own model that they were working in. So they were telling me more about the limitation of the model they were working in than they were telling me about the human's body ability to heal. I hope that answers your question. No, it does. And I can't help but picture a lot of, I have a lot of friends in the, in the medical industry or profession and we're all constantly talking about the same thing is about my God, it's broken. It's so it's, you know, there's so many. So I'm, I'm picturing a bunch of doctors that are like, no, no, we've got to tell her something. And this is, we don't know the whole picture, but we're just going to tell her what we know. And let's just 
wipe her hands of it. Like, let's, let's give her an answer and, and away you go. And it's, it's just so sad because to your point, there's so, we are spiritual beings having a human existence and we're not just bones and, you know, and, and blood, right? We're not just the skeleton and all of the things that make up. There's so much more to it. So I'm curious, how long into your time with Peter was it before you saw, you know, a change, a difference, uh, a lessening of the pain or, or what was it that you saw? Yeah. So I was on, on that, those 31 years I talked to you about, I was on, um, opiates and benzodiazepines, anti-anxiety medicine at that time. And so I was, I was, uh, I was addicted. The last 15 years was fentanyl and Ativan. So that was a lot. Um, so he, I, so he knew how to detox me as well. And he was detoxing a lot of us from this opiate benzo combo that a lot of doctors had us on at the time. And, um, and it took me 10, I think it was 10 days detoxing in a hospital bed with a cocktail that he gave me to kind of calm the body from freaking out for all that as we detox. And um, so I, I, I lost a lot. I lost muscle tone and I was quite weak when I was done because 10 days, five days on hospital, you've lost all your muscle tone and I was there 10. So they kind of poured me into a wheelchair when I got out of the bed, but I had enough strength to stand up, get out of the bed, stand up and then get in the wheelchair. And when I stood up, I noticed something. I didn't have any pain in my back. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I my back had hurt for 40 years and I noticed this absence. And I and I was like, I'll take, I'll take more of this. You know, Peter never promised that. He only promised that he would help me balance my stress response. He never promised he'd take the pain away. It's not what he did. He, helped, he said, I'll help you balance the stress response. And I was having panic attacks from the Ativan, from the benzos. You give on those long-term and they're going to end up giving you anxiety instead of taking it away. So I didn't know that. My doctor didn't know it, but Peter did. <laughs> so so I noticed a change right after in 10 days. And, and, uh, and I walked into that program um, with 40 years of chronic pain. And I walked out in 52 days with no pain at all. I had a lot of gut pain. Uh, when I got up out of that, after 10 days, I had gut pain still, but I didn't have any back pain. So it took 15, 52 days really to clear all that. Um, but that was astonishing. And the thing is, is that I wasn't the only one. He had a 94% success rate in that program. Life-changing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Life-changing for lots of us. It was, it was, it was amazing to see people go from, you know, the, you can see the imprint of the pain on their physiology and their expression and their their kind of body language. And you could see them as we move through the program, you could see them start to brighten up <laughs> and change their change their stature and, and, and everything. It was quite interesting. Yeah. So when you left the program 52 days later, standing up pain-free, you're I can just imagine, you know, you're a beacon of light and and happiness. What were you thinking next for you? Like, okay, wow, I'm now feeling I'm I'm a lot older than I thought I was going to be when I'm pain-free, but I'm pain-free. What were you thinking that you wanted to do with all that you'd learned? Well, they, I was going to pain track in the afternoon to see Dr. Peter. 
uh, 20 of us were going. There were 100 patients on campus, and 20 of us went to pain track, and the other 20, uh, other 80 went to relapse school because it was a chemical, chemical dependency treatment center. And so I wasn't getting any education on a relapse. So I asked my counselor one day, well, you know, what's up with that? And she said, she said this, there's an 80% relapse rate in the first year for addiction. And that was the sentence. And in my head, I was like, I'm doomed because I didn't like the odds. And the second thing was, what's wrong with the model we're using? Because if we're getting an 80% relapse rate, we got to change up the model. And so I vowed in that moment that I would come out of the program and I would dedicate my life to change, moving that needle on the relapse rate. And that's why I got into what I do. So we're going to take a short break right now, but I'll be back with my guest within 60 seconds. Ladies, unlock your inner badass and transform your life with my monthly subscription workshop. For just $47 a month, you'll have exclusive access to work closely with me, Mahara Wayman, as we dive deep into all things badass, from personal development to conquering your goals. Imagine waking up every day with confidence, purpose, and a smile that radiates your newfound strength. Take advantage of this badass opportunity and join us today at www.mindfulnesswithmahara.com and start your journey toward a happier, more confident you. Smile when no one is looking. You've earned it. Okay. Um, thank you for sharing that. Now let's talk about what it is that you're doing today. Oh. Well, um, I took a deep dive into, I mean, I continued to heal. I had, I still had plenty of healing to do. Um, and I took a deep dive into um, yoga uh, as a way to move the issues out of the tissues, as they say. Um, I I looked at trauma and learned trauma-informed yoga. I looked at different recovery models and uh, addiction recovery models. And I remember Peter saying, when I left, he said, you're not just a recovering addict you're a recovering chronic pain patient. You make sure you take care of both of those. And I never really had a chance to ask him, dude, what's the difference between the two? Because I'm seeing a lot of similarities. But I I held it because he, he passed away. As I said, he passed away a few years later. But And I, I just didn't get a chance to ask him that question. But I never forgot the question. And there are a lot of similarities. And... Um, the more I spend time with people in recovery from all kinds of addictions and people who are recovering from chronic pain, I don't see a whole lot of difference. I really don't. So um, I'm not really sure what he meant about that, but um, there's a, there's so much overlap. I'm, I'm not even sure it, the, the difference would be significant at this point. Uh, I never met an addict that wasn't a chronic pain patient first. And I haven't met a chronic pain patient that didn't have unresolved trauma in their system first. I'm, I'm just picturing this. And of course, I've got some notes pulled up in front of me. And I'm wondering if that's because I said that your role, now you've got a role currently stress management and historical trauma specialist. So 
can you explain to us a little bit because some this may be new for some listeners i have done some training myself not in i'm not a trauma trained coach by any stretch i'm trauma informed but i totally understand that the body does not forget anything right the good the bad the ugly the body holds on to it but could you tell us a little bit more about how you work with patients that have had uh, trauma and that it's just so bone deep no pun intended it's like right you know it's in their in their system in their bodies Sure. I, I um I have a couple of approaches. This is why I, I I've I've got so much training. If you look on my about page on my website, you'll see I've got like all oh, this training. And I, I did it all very intentionally because there are all these different ways that you can you can um focus help the, the client focus their attention in a way that will serve them in the moment. Uh, what I normally do with a new client is um, I the first thing I do is assess their nervous system, the state of their nervous system. Are they dysregulated? And usually the answer is yes. So the and if they're dysregulated, it means they don't feel safe. So the first thing I I have to do is is have them give them an experience where they feel safe, and that's very easily done with a three minute breath exercise. And once the nervous system goes, ah, then we've got a connection and then they can learn something from me because there's this hierarchy to healing nervous system first, then you can connect, then you can learn. But if you've got a dysregulated nervous system, you can't learn and you're not going to be connected. You don't feel that sense of belonging. So there's a method to the madness. And so I, I do that exercise. That's the first thing I do. Then I listen to their story for about five minutes because I don't want to give them, I want, I don't want them to give their story too much power. But there's a lot of power in being able to sit in front of somebody like me who's been on the journey and kind of knows the path of like what it's like to live in chronic pain like that and 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 have uh trauma to deal with, it's helpful to be seen and heard by someone else that, you know, has had a, a similar experience. So that's helpful. And then the next thing I do is I take them through ancestral clearing, a recognizing that we come in with the gifts and the burdens of our ancestors. And some of the stuff that we had, some of the information in the nervous system, in the, in the epigenetic field in the in the wiring of our behaviors came in from our ancestors and thank god because that provides a lot of resilience for us and disease um uh resistance and like all kinds of great humor and all kinds of other things right um but we also can, can come in with some things like worry energy which of course chronic pain is just going to accentuate if we've seen our mother and our grandmother constantly worry, or maybe our father and grandfather, right? It's we see these behaviors and we we kind of take them on. So and we we kind of even come in with that frequency. So that that's the next thing I do is I bring in this ancestral historical trauma piece. And uh, there's a process that I use and I and I I bring that in and then I kind of see what's happening with the client get the feedback and then and then we kind of go from there there's all kinds of tools I've got in my back pocket 
um, compassionate inquiry was a, is a great uh, of, uh, that Dr. Gabor Mate teaches. It's a, just a wonderful process of just holding presence. I love the process because we're actually it's different than kind of therapy. Therapy, you're going for an outcome, heal the patient. In compassionate inquiry, we're actually not going for any outcome except presence and providing a mirror for what the patient, the, the client can see in the moment. And we're accepting of everything that's in the field. It's the most gentle, kind, um, there's no rush. Uh, it's a very interesting process. And I've really enjoyed bringing that kind of combining that with ancestral clearing as a, as a method of, of, of just exploration for the, for the client, because, you know, I love the Socratic method, which means, which is, which is a way where you, the, the client answers their own questions. See, and you, because what do you want to do? You want them to, you want to empower them and realize how powerful they truly are because they, they haven't seen that or they denied it or they've, you know, it's been pushed down or for whatever reason, they don't realize their own, their own power there. And, and so my job really is, is kind of, I used to call myself an empowerment coach, right? I mean, I could still say that I, I just don't call myself that, but that's job. It's, you know, my tagline is guiding you to unleash your healing power. I love it. And it sounds very similar to um, something that I do quite often with my clients. And I, I like that you brought up the difference between therapy and coaching, because to your point, as coaches, we really want, as just like you said, we want our clients to see that they actually, they have the knowledge, they have the wisdom. They may not have the knowledge, but they have the wisdom and they have the power to recognize in themselves what's going on. And one of the things that, that I use fairly regularly is, um, came out of the University of Santa Monica, compassionate self-forgiveness. And it's a very simple exercise. And it's very, it sounds very similar to what you're saying, which is very laid back. And it's like, so what's a story that you're telling yourself that actually doesn't work for you? I mean, there's lots of stories we tell ourselves that do work for us, which is great, but that's not what's causing you the, the, the burning pain in your gut. That's not what's causing you angst. And then we question the, we question the truth of it. And it's amazing to your point, when you just give, when you give people permission, they will come up with amazing things like, you know what, that is just not true. And then we encourage them to forgive themselves for believing it because that's all it is. It's a misunderstanding. You made, you know, you made an assumption, you made, you put one and one together and you got four. So you can forgive yourself for believing that that action meant this about you, for example, right? And when yes. you do that, then you can say, so what is true? And I've seen, and I was, I've experienced it myself where I'm like, oh my God, the truth is this. And you're right. The whole energy is just through the roof. And there's this, uh, a lightness of spirit. It's like, oh my God, I'd forgotten that I was so beautiful. I was, I forgot. I haven't said that in so long, or I haven't even thought it or felt it. So to your point, it's, it is incredibly um, powerful when we calm the nervous system, allow clients and ourselves to feel safe with whatever comes up and, and allow that to just be without the expectation of you're going to walk out of here, you know, happy and do a little jazz, jazz kick or jazz hands at the end. It's not about that. It's about just being very present 
and being um and being open exactly also one of the things that i i i've i've really um i was so grateful to learn in the trauma space was our reactions our habits our our um accommodations <laughs> um they're they're th they're all uh, things that we we do to keep ourselves safe and so uh if i have a a part of me that's like um trying to think uh worried about uh like i i woke up this morning for instance and i i knew i had i had to do a certain thing today and i hadn't done it before and and i and there was a part of me that was like ooh <laughs> It's like I'm gonna go sit down in my yoga and calm this down, right? <laughs> As I could feel my my nervous system start to alert, you know. But that's a part of me. That's a young younger part of me that that that's trying to keep me say, "Hey, Lizzie, look out!" You know, <laughs> you you know, we don't we don't know what's coming down the road. You need to you know, and that's an it's certainly an old habit, but it's served me. So instead of going, oh, not that again, I'm like, thank you for sharing and letting me know. And I know you're trying to keep me safe. And so we're in integrative process. We're not calling any parts of ourselves bad or any habit we have or accommodation or whatever you want to call it. Um, they're all ways that at some point we kept ourselves safe in the past. And maybe they're not serving us anymore, but they served us at one time. And, you know, that is a great, people go, oh, I'm not wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> that is so, it's so important that we understand that. And it kind of ties into something that co comes up quite a bit in my podcast and with my clients and in my own work is this idea that life happens for us, not to us. And if we can say, you know what, I'm doing, I'm doing the best I can with what I have and I, I've all of my actions have been to keep me safe in some manner. It doesn't, it may not feel so good anymore and I may not need it, but I don't need to be, I don't need to ignore it, pretend it's not there, push it down or feel badly about it. Because to your point, it's just a reminder, Hey, Hey, it's okay. And you can go, yeah, I got this or good idea. Yoga, 10 minutes, meditate, calm down, do the breath. So it sounds like really you've had some powerful ahas on your journey to where you are today. I love it. Oh, yes. I had, I had many powerful ahas. Uh, one of them I'll, I'll share because uh, I just think it's so important. Um, I knew that science had a lot of answers, you know. I, I knew, but I also, because of my training as a research scientist, I knew it had a limitation. And I had this, uh, the first time the doctor said, oh, you know, you're not going to ever get better. I was like devastated because I believed them. And then I was like, this doesn't sound right. So I finally, you know, had this aha moment where I was like, oh, we live in the all that is and we heal in the all that is. Science can only talk about the all it is that it can measure, uh, observe, measure, and describe. So it's staying in that space. So it heals. Its perspective is is in that part, but we're we're bigger than that. So it has this 
it, it really it elucidated for me, oh, it has these bright lines. It can't talk about anything that it can't observe, measure, or describe. So I can't discuss the unseen. <laughs> but in yoga, that's where we we hang out there. <laughs> right? So in the spiritual world, you know, we hang out there. And but we can't you can't put words on the unseen other than to give it a label, but you can't put words on that experience. It's too big for it's too big for the brain, and science can't talk about it. So our healing is in all of that. And that was huge for me. It gave me a wonderful perspective on what healing was and wasn't and what science could give and couldn't. And I'm not dissing science. I'm just naming its limitation. Well, I mean, let's be honest, science serves a purpose, right? It's, it's, we need it. But there's so much. It's to, I love how you describe that, by the way. And I'm very visual. So as you were describing it, I could see. But yeah, there's so much more. It's almost like a few years ago, this was going around Facebook and it's um, pictures of our galaxy and you see all of the planets lined up and, and, and the relative sizes to each other and the, you know, the size to the sun and the moon, it's all there. And then it says at the bottom, um, this is just one galaxy and you know, science tells us that there are a hundred million galaxies. And when that made its way around and I looked at it, I was kind of like, what? Like I, I didn't even have the language to explain my um, my awe. Even awe isn't the right word. So that's what I was picturing as you were saying that. It's like, you know what? There is so much more out there than we are aware of. And if we could only just give ourselves permission to explore, obviously a lot of us do. And I happen to think that Gene Roddenberry, um, you know, the creator of Star Trek was light years ahead of his time because I actually think he was onto something. That's just my personal beliefs. There's so much more out there. And he looked at it with such joy and, and humor and, and some really deep meanings. But I am, I am a Trekkie, but I'm, this is not a Trekkie podcast. However, um, I really do. I think it's so um, important that especially when we are struggling, whether it is a physical pain, an emotional pain, a mental pain, or a spiritual pain, that we take a breath, to your point. Breathing is, wow, breathing is life. And give ourselves permission to ask, what could my life be? Yes, this is what it has been up until now. But what can, what could it be? What would I like it to be? What do I want more of in my life? And if it doesn't fold out naturally in my circumstances, do I have the guts to go looking for it, even if I don't know what it is? And so I love what you're doing, because I think you've really, you've spoken about it very beautifully and eloquently that you didn't take no for an answer. You're like, I'm going to keep looking because this doesn't make sense to me. And I'm so pleased that you found Peter, even though it took so many years, and that you're doing the work that you're doing. Can you tell us a little bit more about, well, I know I'm going to drop it in the show notes, everyone, how you can reach Elizabeth and find out more about the beautiful work that she's doing. But I would love to know what is it that when you wake up in the morning, what is it that you say to yourself to, what are some of the things that you say to yourself, sort of motivate yourself and, and what are you looking forward to in the day? So my, my, uh, my morning um, kind of mantra 
is um, thank you for another day to learn and serve in our school. Please let my words, actions, and impact be the same as my intention. And let my intention be in alignment with you, the cosmic you. That's how I start my day. And uh, uh, yeah, that's how I start my day. That's a, you know, I still wake up 10 years later. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, September 15th is going to be my 10 years of being, you know, pain-free 10 years and 10 days. Um, sorry, 10, 10 years at September 15th, 10 days at the 25th was when I, I got up out of that bed. Um, pain-free on the back. Um, I still wake up in the morning like, I'm just a kid at a, in a, in a, at a Christmas. <laughs> it's still like, I can't believe this is my life. I'm still, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I, and I, and I, when I was in the pain, I was, I was grateful. I had family support an amazing husband who, and, and son who supported me and doctors did the best they could. All the healthcare people around me were amazing. Um, and, but I always felt like supported by this other force, which I we can't even name, really. Yeah. Well, you know, we all call it different things, right? God's source, universe, um, friend. It doesn't matter what you call it, but I, I love your story so much. So much. Uh, you, you've done a lot. And, you know, it, it's the work that, that you do is so needed. And so magical my hope is that everybody that's listening guys reach out to elizabeth if you're near her um drop in and see her just connect with her and see and see if she can help you because she's just a fountain of wisdom and what i'm hearing is you have never forgotten to be grateful and to ask for guidance and support in in the work work that you bring into the world which i think is beautiful is there something that you say to yourself before you go to bed i'm curious I say thank you again, but I have to, I have to explain this gratitude thing. I seriously think that I came in with that frequency. That gift was from the end. I didn't think that up. I always had that. Really? And when, it, when it hit the fan at home, when I was a kid, and I mean, as far back as I can remember, I'm like, yeah, this is horrible, but, but I have a roof over my head and I've got clothes on my back and I've got clean water. And I, I always had this, so, you know, that, I didn't think that up. <laughs> That's another reason why I, I came in with burden for my ancestors, but I came in with some powerful gifts. And those are the things, you know, it's not just, um, it's not just me being able to face my, my, my fears and face life on life turns that makes me a badass. It's all the stuff my ancestors went through and passed on to me that allowed me to be that person. I love it. I love We're going to have to do another episode where we talk about um, ancestors and maybe past lives and things like that. It would be very interesting. Um, Elizabeth, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. This has been a really beautiful conversation. I'm so pleased that you found Peter. And I'm so pleased that you are taking all of your gifts and are giving back to the world because it is definitely needed. And you um, you're doing a great job. So thank you for all that you do. Well, thank you so much. This was this was a, a delightful conversation. 
those of you that are listening, this has been Mahara with her guest, Elizabeth, my guest, Elizabeth Kipp. Uh, tune in next week for another beautiful episode. And if you've got any questions, you know how to reach both of us because it'll be in the show notes. Have an amazing week and I'll see you next time on The Art of Badassery. Thank you for tuning in to The Art of Badassery. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you. Thank you.